And right then and there, I realized what forgiveness does for you because that was almost like my freeing moment. Like, first of all, you're getting paid to be here. <laughs> it changes the game. Welcome to a movement of kindness and empathy. You're listening to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Embarking on a mission to unite our city under the banner of compassion, we're one among 440 cities around the globe standing together to build a more compassionate world. Now introducing the man leading the charge, your host, Will Rucker. Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm Will Rucker, and I am so glad that you have joined for yet another shot of compassion for your week. Hopefully you're enjoying the content and our amazing guest. Today will be no exception. We are keeping the hope and inspiration and compassion train moving forward. We've got something pretty special. She is a certified love coach, among many, many other things. Tasha, welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love the title, by the way, Compassionate Las Vegas. Yes. Well, thank you so much. It, it's really important to me to talk about this. Sometimes people think it's kind of soft or mushy, but when we really get into it, compassion is really courageous. It's strong. It's it's probably one of the most difficult things that we can move forward. So thank you for acknowledging that. And actually, that leads to the first question. How do you define compassion? Compassion to me is the true meaning of treating others how you want to be treated, right? We, we, we desire respect. We, we require for someone to hear us and understand us. But when it comes to others, we have to have that same level of respect. We have to have that same level of hearing somebody else. So for me, to be compassionate to you is to treat your heart as if I would treat my own. I wouldn't mishandle myself. I wouldn't I wouldn't mistreat myself. So why would I mistreat you, you know, and and and, and expect you to treat me good, but it's okay for me to do these things because of my background. That's not true. We have to treat each other with the same level on all aspects of life. And I feel like that's the true meaning of compassion because I care about you and what happens to you as a human being, you know. Yeah, well, I could keep going, but I'll stop there. <laughs> no, you are messing up my script because I had another question I wanted to start with. But what you, you really brought up for me is this, and I, I don't know where I heard it, but it's the the spirit of the, the saying is be the thermostat, not the thermometer. And so going into a space and creating the energy, setting the tone instead of being responsive. A lot of people like, well, you give me this energy, I'm going to give you the same energy back. But I think that what you're saying is, no, I need to treat you the way I actually want to be treated. Because if you're giving me bad energy, I don't need to give that back to you. I need to give you what I want to receive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or we can just not exist. But I think if we all operated on that level, it would make things a little more smoother so we wouldn't have as much conflict. Because I, I care about you, you care about me. So we can already meet in the middle on the first things first. Yeah. And that kind of alleviates a lot of other things that, you know, can trickle into any type of relationship. For sure. So let's start with your journey. How did you become a love coach? What inspired that for you? Whew. Wow. So I thought I was going to be an accountant, right? <laughs> 
still to this day, I love to crunch numbers. However, when the divine push you into a different direction, you don't have a choice. But ultimately, when you look back over manifestation and life and how words are really powerful, I put this in the universe many, many years ago as a joke. Um, everybody used to come to me for advice and relationship advice. And I would give some solid advice because I'm human-based and I never knew that I would consider myself human-based, but I'm not picking sides because this is my friend. I'm not picking sides because this is a woman. We're going to talk about what's right and what's wrong, you know? And I would be like, tip the love doctor, you know, tip your love doctor. And that was like maybe well over 15 years ago, I used to say that. And as I'm going to school to be an accountant, I moved here and they wouldn't accept my credit. So when they put me back and when I got back in college after my, you know, attitude with the the education system, I did all of my core credits for accounting, not my prereqs. So they only accepted them as prereqs. And I was like, oh, I got to start all over and I'm going to show them, you know. So but I went back to school and they put me in managerial accountant because with all of the credits that I did have, I was automatically a junior. And no preparation, no refresher courses. I literally had a panic attack. I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't like that feeling. And at the time I was working in behavioral health and everybody on my job was like, because you're not a girl, you're a therapist. <laughs> I was like, what? Like total shift in life. And I was like, I never even thought about going to school to be a therapist. And when I enrolled in school and I started classes, it was a no-brainer. It was it was very, very relatable information. I could understand the content. I knew what was going on. It just was so natural for me. And at that time, they make you pick a niche. What's your niche? Who are you going to help? And I was like, I don't know everybody, you know? Like, how do I decide? You know, so I had to sit in it and meditate for a while. And I could hear it clear as day. I'm like, what do people need? Like, I don't, I don't know. You, if there's a need, you have to have a need to do your job. And what is that need? And I was like, well, you know, pregnant women, they need people, drug addicts, they need people, helpers. Oh, I'm going to help helpers. I'm going to help teachers, lawyers, therapists. You know, I'm going to help those people because if they're not in a good mental space, they're not in a space to help other people, that's, especially doctors, Yeah, you know, people who are there to help people. So that was, that's who I was going to help. And it wasn't sitting right. It just wasn't sitting right because I'm like, what about the people who actually need the help from the helpers? And that's when I heard it. It was like, everybody has an essential need for love. Mm. It's not, it's a necessity. It's not, it's not something we can like, eh, I can have love. I can't. That's not, it's not something that we can live without healthy. Yeah. In a sense. So is it so, just romantic love? Do you do friendships, family? Like tell me like the, the spectrum that you cover. Oh, okay. So we, we actually focus on all levels of love. So I'm a restoration life coach. So we focus on restorative, repairing, rebuilding, reestablishing. So if you are in a space of hurt, we repair the heart. Mm. It's all about self-love. And a lot of people think that I'm a relationship coach too, so you're going to help me find love. I'll say, yeah, sure, I could do that. But it's not with anyone else. It's with yourself. If we start with you, we can work on everything else. Everything else can flourish naturally if you love yourself first. So we we focus on identifying what's the issue. Or do you have a splinter in your heart? Uh, is it, or does it require open heart surgery? Like how deep is this traumatic situation 
that we need to heal. Because if you don't heal, you can't op- operate out of compassion, right? Because I'm hurt. Let me, and- let me ask this. With, I mean, that's big. That's, that's huge. That's a lot. Um, and I think that's important for our listeners and viewers to hear. But I, I want to go even kind of deeper in your journey because you don't get to that place by reading a book. You don't get to that place just by popping into existence. So what got you there? What brought you to this realization and to work? You know what? Honestly, I've always been this person. And that's not to slight any of my journey because I, I got a story. I do have a very, very deep story. But through it all, I've always had a level of of love for humans. And I was that person like, oh, my God, that's my friend. I love you. Yeah, you know. And then, of course, you have trauma and things like that. So you become a little more guarded. You become a little more guarded. And now it's like you have to earn my friendship. You have to earn my trust. And I was like that for a long time. I would help people. But I, I felt everybody didn't deserve my energy because people try to tear your energy down when they kind of feel what you bring to the table. So, you know, I kind of pushed myself back. But the more and more, I'm very empathetic. I am the biggest empath you can ever meet. And it's a gift and a curse. So when I see the world, I don't see me. I literally see the world is hurting. The world is at war. The world has issues. And it's not, I can't just think about myself when I'm coexisting with everything else that is breathing and surviving and interacting right along with me. I have to, I have to care about everybody else as if I care about myself. So that has brought me to a place of literally wanting to spread love all over the world. It's beyond Las Vegas. It's beyond the United States. It's, it's in Africa. It's in China. It's, Iran, you know, like these people need love right now. They need love and compassion. There's so much that's going on in the world that it pulls me in and I don't know how to help. And that's what got me to this place. Like if I don't have anything else to do, I don't have finances. I can't fight wars. I can't go tell people this is what you should do. What can I do? And this is all I can do is is, is pour and restore love. Yeah. And I, I love that you link love and compassion. I think people just subconsciously do that uh, because they are so intimately connected. What do you find yourself repeating over and over to clients? So what's the thing that you're kind of like, I already know I'm going to have to say this to this client or I have to do this. And in every case, just about. Uh, you know, that was you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, accountability is huge. And I make people sign an honesty clause by coming in because there's no really a real reason for you to come and have a conversation with me unless you're ready to be honest about who you are, what you, what you've done in life, what you've caused and what you can fix. Cause it's about you. It has nothing to do with me. So when you have to hold them accountable, sometimes it's like, all right, we're going in because I agreed to be honest with you as well. Right. I can't I can't lie to you. I tell them flat out, if you want to pay me to lie and leave the same way you can keep your money. There's no reason for us to have a conversation when you're ready. I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here. But you have to be ready to have that type of conversation. Yeah, I find. So, you know, another hat I wear is also in coaching. I do more of the leadership and executive coaching. But when I started, I was just like, I'm a coach. I'll coach you on anything, you know, because I'm like, I'm asking you questions. But one of the things that I do find is 
sometimes people are embarrassed or they want to put on a show and and pretend to be something that they're not. And I'm like, look, we we can pretend, but I already know we we got to cut through these layers. So how do you help people? Number one, get real with themselves, be honest with themselves and discard some of their own guards that they have against what they may not be or what they may be that they don't want to be. So how do you help them be honest with yourself, with themselves, and then ultimately with you? Um, so like I said, we we talk about honesty in the beginning. And there are people, when they have the conversations that we have, they're like semi-ready to have those conversations. And most times, and you're a coach, so most times you don't have to say anything because it comes out. It just, it, it, it's, it's, I may be prepared for a session due to what we spoke about the week before. We're going to do all this core work. We're going to do coping mechanisms. We're going to do all these amazing things, but I have to deal with exactly who shows up on, on that phone or who shows up in that session because every day we're different people. Every day we have a different experience. So they may have woke up thinking they're going to have the same great session because we were there yesterday. But they had an issue at work. They got stuck in traffic or there was something with the children. So whoever shows up, I have to meet them where they're at and 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 love them exactly where they're at and allow them to come to me. And then we can try to figure out a situation of what we're going to be dealing with that day and how, how are you going to show up as who you are. So me meeting them where they're at gives them an opportunity to be exactly who they are. They don't have to show up and be somebody else for me because I don't I don't care. And, and it's confidential, everything we talk about. So you have a safe space. And if you would like to have this safe space to be 100% yourself, we're going to allow that space. And then we're going to create more spaces so you can continue to show up as self. But that's the whole purpose of self-love, right? To fully authentically be okay with who you are because you are one of one. You're unique. You were made to be you. There's no one that we can compare ourselves to. I, I like the Beyonce quote. <laughs> you know, like, we are. It's it's a really good quote. It, it you really know? is. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, you've mentioned self-love a couple of times. So I want to ask a little bit more about that. I don't believe that self-love is selfish. And so I think making that distinction helps people many times. But I do want to kind of hear your thoughts on the idea of the sacrifices that are often required in loving relationships and how you address that balance of self-love and loving others as yourself. I love that you said that because I am in my master's program and of course they're, I, I can see that they're programming me to do research on something that is near to my heart. Even though they're assignments, I, I see that they're, they're, they're grooming me. And of course, I did a research paper on self-love mm -hmm. and doing that research, everything that comes up is negative. Mm, really? Everything. Selfish. When you said yeah. selfish, uh, what's the other word that, that comes to my mind? But it, it I went out of, I'll say, a hundred articles. I may have found three that were, you know, scholarly based articles, peer reviewed, but, you know, we can't use an article for Google, we have to find things that are peer reviewed. And they said that it's one of the most complex things to define. Mm -hmm. And I 100% disagree. I, I believe that if we are operating out of self-love 
and I love me. I love me. That makes me happy with me. That makes me compassionate with me. That makes me give myself grace. That makes me forgive myself. That is one of the main things that we work on in my program is forgiveness. And it's not of anybody else. It's what did you do? What is that one little thing that you dealt with and you're like, I hate that I did that. I hate. Nobody can hear that quiet chatter. It's just you. You know, when you're alone, it's just you. In the end of the day, you can be in a relationship, have a loving, great relationship. But when you're alone, it's just you. And sometimes you have to tap into that and realize I love myself fully. Therefore, when I come to you, I don't come with anything that's negative that's going to take away from your life. That's not my that's not my goal. That's not my intention. So if I come to you with love, compa- compassion, respect, you're going to receive that in a way like, oh, you know, like she doesn't have any bad intentions. So why would you just have bad intentions back, you know, it's, it's almost like a contagious energy. And if more of us had it, guess what? It would keep spreading and keep spreading and keep spreading. And that's my whole purpose. Forgiveness is a big word. And I was a pastor here in Las Vegas for almost a decade. And before that I was a traveling minister and I helped to establish churches. And so in the Christian tradition, And one of the hot button issues where I knew I would get a letter, an email, have to have a conversation after church, like the thing I knew if I was stepping into like a minefield was actually the subject of forgiveness. And people really held on, well, I don't want to be a doormat and I, I will, why should I have to forgive somebody else? They was wrong. They need to be punished. Like that was the thing that kind of triggered people the most. I mean, we could talk about almost anything else, but when we got to forgiveness, it created such a reaction. So how do you approach forgiveness? What does it mean to you? And even perhaps what was the thing in your life that you had to forgive yourself for the biggest thing? Wow. And it has changed tremendously in the last couple of years, but I think that forgiveness is basically that first hard step to healing. And we're here to heal your heart. And if you don't forgive yourself, you're going to keep carrying that baggage around with you forever. And I had a few things once I had to start doing my self-reflection phase was I had to go back. I had to go back. Like if, I, if I'm going to put you through this process, I had to put myself through this process. And it was not going away to college to an HBCU not pursuing my dream and dance, you know, small things like they were small, but they're huge overall when you think of your, your life in a sense. So that was one of those things that I knew that I needed to forgive myself for, even though it didn't really have anything to do with me, why I didn't go. But once I did that, and once I start to get in that, I, I got a, I got booked for a gig at an HBCU CWAC game and I was flown out to Georgia and right then and there I realized what forgiveness does for you because that was almost like my freeing moment like first of all you're getting paid to be here mm-hmm. <laughs> it changes the game you know you didn't get to go to school to a HBCU thing but even though I didn't get to do that and that was something that I carried around with me for a very very long time and I wasn't able to pledge a sorority and all these dreams that I had for myself when I was in high school I didn't get a chance to do that so I carried that baggage around for a long time what is forgiveness
Forgiveness is um, addressing the issue, addressing it at the head on. No matter if it's with someone else or if it's with self, you have to address what happened. You have to dig into what made you feel the way you feel and why it made you feel the way you feel. Because if you don't dissect this thing and understand it, you won't be able to deal with it again if it happens. And you won't be able to naturally be able to understand yourself and these reactions, your triggers, and all the things that lead up to the lack of forgiveness. It causes a, a long-term effect when you don't forgive yourself or someone. And when you do that, it allows yourself to free yourself of baggage that you've been carrying. It allows you to to understand trauma on a different level. It doesn't it doesn't affect you psychologically, physically, emotionally anymore because you are not attached to that thing. You understand it, you know what to do next, you learned from it, and you can naturally move on without keep tripping over the same thing because it comes up in spurts. You know, if there's a trigger, here comes that thing again from childhood or if there's another trigger, here comes that thing from college or that relationship. And it's like, "Wow, I thought I dealt with that." Well, you probably did not deal with it because you either haven't forgiven the person or you haven't forgiven yourself. And we have to give ourselves grace. We make mistakes. Like I had to tell myself, it's okay, Tosh. Plans mess up, you know, like they do. And, and, and it's okay that you made a mistake. You did that. Just what are we going to do going forward? In your experience, do you find that it's harder for people to forgive themselves or someone else? Self. Why, I think why it's, might that be? Because we're taught naturally to look out for our neighbors, be, share with your friends, be kind to others. We're not naturally taught to be kind to ourselves. Some of us. I can't speak for everybody because some people probably have the environment where they did teach you to, to be c- compassionate with yourself. Love yourself. How many times have you seen it in a classroom where they, there it's compassion is being taught? Self-love is being taught. It's, it's a lack of knowledge because we're already taught to, to care about others more than we're taught to care about ourselves. That's why it seemed to be selfish if you look out for self. But there's a difference between being selfish and self-love. It's a completely different thing to me, in my opinion. Me being selfish is um, you're hungry and I have a whole feast over here and I just refuse to feed you. And I know you don't have food. That's selfish. But for me to choose myself and say, I love myself enough not to go through that is just self-love. That's selfless. I care about you, so I don't want to put either one of us through it. Yeah. That's, I think that's really good, and that's a, a, a great distinction. And what you, you bring to mind, I'm going to try to stay out of this other subject because then we'll end up talking for three hours. But when I look <laughs> at the wealth inequality that's what you bring to mind with that feast of food, because there are people that have no food and that is unfathomable for me. There are people that don't have, that want a place to stay, but can't get one. And yet there are people that have 500 homes, literally that they're renting and increasing the rents and making them unaffordable just so they could increase their profit margin. So uh, hoarding wealth to me is, is really one of the great evils of our day. So I just wanted to get that out. That was on my chest to say, good. (laughs) It's actual information. Yeah. But how do you measure success in your coaching practice? How do you measure success in self-love? And maybe what are some of the steps, some practical things our, our listening audience can 
take with them to actually begin this journey of self-love? So when I host my live events, they're always free. They've been free. And people were like, you know, this is knowledge. You should charge. And I said, oh, when it's time to charge, I will charge. Right now for me, I want people to understand that my heart is really pure and I'm in this thing. So for success for me is to make sure people are leaving differently than what they came. They're receiving the message in a different way. So I always have a strategy. A little tw- I call it a twist, a love twist. I always got a love twist when I do things. So therefore that there's a different message and I want to make sure it's impactful. So we always have that little voice that's like, maybe you shouldn't do this. This may not be a good thing. But then when I get the feedback or, you know, people make a post about what I did for them, even if I have never seen them as a client, that fills my heart. And that fills my heart, which mends my heart, which gives me more of my heart to be able to give out to other people. So it's about healed hearts for me. As long as I can see people living in a healed, healthy life, do you, I can imagine it. They say I live in a fairy tale world, but I can imagine. I know if, if people believe whatever they believe in, we were born a good person. We were born, I don't know, that we can get into a different conversation, but we're born of agape love. And I believe that we all deserve it. It's not, I think we require it. I think it's a necessity and we all need it on the same level, no matter what, what you identify as period, you know, race, color, whatever you be who you are, be authentically who you are, but love who you are. Then you won't have so much hate to spew. Yeah. You know, so our time has gone so quickly. I want to wrap up with a few sentences that I'll have you complete. So I'll start the sentence and I just want you to finish it for me. Okay. Okay. Love is you. Wow. Okay. Wasn't expecting that one. Um, that was good. I like that. And I, I like that. All right. Um, okay. Back on track. Back on track here. Okay. Compassion matters because we're human. Being human is love. Being human is love. Being human is an experience. It's an energy. It's an expression. And it should be, it should be beautifully flawed. My legacy is. Healed hearts worldwide. And this is the last one. The greatest love of all is. Oof. The greatest love of all is God. Anything you want to leave with our audience before we close? I would just like for you all, I would love for you guys to take a few minutes for yourself to self-reflect, give yourself a little bit of a compassion for today. Thank yourself for all the great things you've done for yourself this week. And, and, And look at the mirror and give yourself that few minutes of Self-time and tell yourself how much you love yourself and a few things that you love about yourself. And then call me and tell me what they are. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, Tasha, thank you so much for joining Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. And I, I will say, I think you and I live in the same fairy tale because I can see the world being just as beautiful as you described it, it could be. Absolutely. 
And one at a time. It'll take one at a time, and I'm okay with that. Absolutely. This has been Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm Will Rucker, and as I always remind you, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop, and what you do matters. So live compassionately. I'll see you next time. Thank you.